Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, April 21st, 2013. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator for this morning. The share code for Friday's meeting, April 19th, is 4318. Today's topic is Step 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 11 is the culmination of all the other steps. We have taken all the other steps to lead us to this step. As a result of the actions of steps 4 through 10, we remove the things that were blocking us from God. Through prayer and meditation, we can receive God's will for us and the power to carry that out. Anyone who can begin to use Step 11 effectively has had a spiritual awakening. He or she has tapped that unsuspected inner resource of strength. This shows the steps have worked for this person. And here to speak with us this morning on their experience with Step 11 are three recovered compulsive overeaters. We're grateful this morning. We have Janice P. from Minnesota, Michelle H. from Missouri, and Judy F. from Massachusetts will all be sharing their experience with implementing Step 11 in their daily lives. And we'll begin with Janice P. Good morning and welcome, Janice. Thank you, Leah. Thank you very much. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, once again, once again, you know, what a privilege. What a privilege to be able to talk a bit about Step 11 and how it works for me. I um, I, I say this frequently, but it, it, it's such a good thing for me to be able to share something perhaps of what I've learned and something perhaps of my own experience and and it it always it always makes me realize that I can dig deeper, that I can go further, that I can stretch and grow more. Because it gives me a chance to really look at perhaps how far I've come and perhaps how far I still have to go. So thank you very much for being here with me this morning. You know, I'm I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on um, on what it used to be like, but I I'll give you a brief um, snapshot. Perhaps I I think that I have been a compulsive overeater since my earliest memories, um, since I was a young child. Uh, I know that uh, food used to do to me and for me something it didn't do for other people, and and I remember as a child. Um, you know, perhaps reaching for comfort, perhaps reaching for uh, enjoyment, perhaps um, using food in ways that uh, children use food, but it meant something more to me, and it and it began to drive me that desire for food that seemed to numb me out. Sometimes it seemed to be a, a blanket of comfort. It seemed to seemed to be the thing, the go-to thing that I used. And and it, it continued. It became a habit. And then it became an obsession. And 
I didn't know for a very, very long time that there was an allergy of my body that when the food that I picked up, the foods that I gravitated towards, the foods that did something physiologically to me became foods I could not stop eating. And so I spent my grade school and junior high and high school years beginning the battle. And if you're a compulsive overeater like me, you may recognize that battle in yourself. You know, I, I began the fight. I began to try to run away from the food, and I found myself running towards the food, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I suffered more and more and more with weight gain, with, with uh, feeling um, like I was out of control, and no matter what I did, and no matter how great the desire or the wish, I could not stop. And so thank God for this design for living, this process of the 12 steps that brought me to a place where I could begin to recognize in myself when it was shared with me, someone in whom the problem had been solved, thank God, gave me a way out, gave me a way out. And, you know, we we talk a great deal, and, and right now on the Vision for You meeting, you know, we, we've come through the doctor's opinion, and we've learned things about ourselves that brought me to that step one place where I was desperate, and I was doomed, and I was done, you know, where I began to recognize in myself in step one that powerlessness that was truly mine, truly mine, and I knew it, and I knew it. And then, you know, thank God, I began to work the steps, and the steps are a process. The steps are a process for me to continue that way out of the food, but it was ever so much more than that. You know, and it took me a while as I worked through the steps to find that it was indeed a spiritual solution for me, that it became far more, far more than just being freed of the allergy of my body and the obsession of my mind, that it it opened the door to finding the God of my understanding, to finding the God of my understanding. But I couldn't do it without doing that process. I couldn't do it without doing that process. And the complete process, the whole process. You know, steps one, two, and three that got me to that place where I could embrace that that part of me that was powerless and that I could find a need for that God of my understanding because that's what the 12 steps showed me, that I had a need for God. I had a need for God. And when I did that step three and embraced that need for God and asked for help and dove into the steps followed by the action of steps four through nine, the action of steps four through nine, that was going to get me to that place where I could become that open channel, that I could become that, that being that saw that need for God and pursued that need for God and this process of the 12 steps. So, you know, I'm going to talk about step 11 today, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And thank God I got to that place. You know, I've I've had about a 100-pound weight loss. I've been abstinent since July 1st of 2001. 
Thank you, God. And I've worked the steps as if my life depends on it, because it did, because it did. And I'm ever so grateful to, to still be here, to still be here, because I have watched many people come and go, come and go. And, and I'm grateful to still be here today, to be here today, and to be here with you. So step 11, you know, Bill, Bill Wilson, Bill W., said something really wonderful about Step 11. Um, in 1958, he was 23 years sober. And he said this about Step 11. He said, I am sure, sure I am still very much in the beginner's class. He said, I am almost a case of a de- arrested development. And that he saw many people around him doing Step 11 far better than he did. You know, at 23 years sober, he was still saying that. And sometimes I feel that too. Sometimes I feel that too, that that I'm still in the beginner's class with this step, with step 11. But I, I hope to share with you some of what step 11 has come to mean to me and some of what I do with step 11 and where I hope to continue to grow in step 11. So, you know, for step 11 for me, seeking through prayer and meditation, you know, I found that very clearly I had a child's conception of God. You know, when I came into the program, I had a child's conception of God. And, you know, I think from what other people tell me and share with me that that there's a lot of us that perhaps come in that way, that, that that conception of God came from a very early development in us, you know, and maybe we had a religious background and maybe we didn't, but it doesn't matter. You know, we all sort of have that child's conception of God. And and that child's conception of God didn't serve me well because I was an adult with adult problems and adult difficulties, and I was still trying to deal with those with a child's conception of God. So what I learned was that I had a lot of growing to do around my conception of God, you know, that I could grow into an adult's conception of God and I could make a spiritual beginning right there, right there in that place. Because, you know, it says in in step 10 that we we are already, we have um, entered the world of the spirit by the time we get to step 10. You know, we've been through the process. We've done a whole lot of self-survey. We've done a whole lot of self-analysis. And and like everybody else, that was true of me. That was true of me. You know, step four and step five identified for me a whole lot of my character defects. And I was able to share that with somebody. And then I was able to try to give those over to God in step six and seven, and then I was able to start working in a way that would put me right with my relationship with other people, you know, that I, I could make amends, and, and it says that the promises will come to us. They will grow in us when we've begun that process of step nine, you know, where we start to make ourselves right with other people. And I wanted that. I wanted that. I had a whole lot of wreckage of the past to deal with. I had a whole lot of people 
and places and institutions and circumstances that I wanted to make right with. And steps nine, eight and nine really helped me with that. And then in step 10, you know, step 10 is a tool for me. Step 10 is a tool for me. It helps me on a daily basis, it says, to grow in understanding and effectiveness in the world that I live in right here and now. You know, that if I've started to, it's not an overnight matter, it says, it should continue for our lifetime, and it, and it gives me a tool to daily watch for my selfishness, to watch for my dishonesty, to watch for my resentment, to watch for my fear, and to deal with it right here, right now, today. You know, that when they crop up, I ask God at once to remove them. I discuss it with somebody immediately. You know, I do those things. Make, make restitution. If I've harmed somebody, I deal with it right here, right now. So, so what's the purpose of step 11 then? If I'm doing all of these things, then what's the purpose of step 11? Well, I believe for me, it's so that I begin to have that place where I work daily at trying to grow in my understanding of God. You know, it's very different from me, from that step 10 tool. This is a place where I'm going to be a continuing seeker, that I'm going to seek through prayer and meditation to expand that experience for me, expand that spiritual experience for me. Because I know that if I deepen that understanding of God on a daily basis, then I'm going to be a better person for it. And, and that's what I want. You know, that's, that's my deep desire, to be a better person, more in touch with the God of my understanding, so that I live life in harmony. You know, when I came into this program, I was not in harmony. You know, I was not in harmony. I was out of whack and out of balance and out of alignment. And those steps, those steps one through nine, helped me get back in that place of harmony, helped me to find that spiritual experience and grow in that spiritual experience. But step 11 is very specific for me, very, very specific. You know, I want to be in spiritual harmony. You know, I find... I find that as a person, I was going out and doing what I wanted to do, trying to get what I wanted to get, and then listening to inner direction if it all went wrong. You know, then listening to my inner direction, you know, my conscience. I would call it my conscience. You know, would I feel guilty? Would I feel remorseful about what I had done? But step 11 gave me a place to get right with God so that I could be directed before I took those actions, before I did those things that I used to feel guilty and remorseful about. It gave me a place to strengthen that direction that I would get from God. You know, I, I, learned, I learned in this program, and the big book talks about this, the dimensions, you know, the dimensions. First of all, I learned there was this spiritual dimension, this mental dimension, and this physical dimension. You know, and I learned that that inner voice, 
that inner direction, that inner higher power was that spiritual life, was that spiritual life. And then there was my mind, my mental dimension. And I learned you taught me that it was my thinking that made me suffer. You know, that mental part, that thinking, I wanted to get that thinking in alignment with this God of my understanding. And then there was, of course, the physical dimension. And we address that physical dimension when we get abstinent. When I put the food down and I said, God, help me. God, help me. I want to be abstinent today. Because if I'm not, I can't be in touch with this God of my understanding. There's no no choice for me without abstinence. So what I know today is that this direct linkage, you know, I love what the 12 and 12 says about step 12. And it says this. It says that there is direct linkage, direct among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. This is on page 98 in the 12 and 12 under step 11. And it says, taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. But when they are logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. You know, links in a chain. Links in a chain. So it says to me that I'm going to continue with that self-examination. Even in step 11, I'm going to continue with that self-examination. But I'm going to link it into my prayer and my meditation. And that that's going to give me a new vision. A new vision which will bring about new actions. And then I'll be able to be in that that state that I like to call grace, where I, I can hear and see and do things like I never was able to before because I'm somehow connected with that greater power in a deeper and more meaningful way. So, you know, we get great directions in, in the um, big book. You know, Bill W. says he, we can believe in, that there will make some definite and valuable suggestions in the big book, some definite and valuable suggestions. And you can read those on page 86 and 87. You know, that, that we start to look at what is this going to look like on a daily basis? You know, what can I do on a daily basis? And so I've developed some new habits, some new habits. In the morning when I wake up, when I open my eyes, I think first of God. You know, is that the old me? Oh, heavens, it is certainly not. But I think of God. I open my eyes and I think of God and I say, God, sign me up. Sign me up one more day. One more day. Help me to do today what I did yesterday. Be abstinent. Be in conscious contact. Be connected. And I do that right away. Right away in the morning. And I think about the day ahead. I do a little stretching in bed in the morning and I think about the day ahead. I think about Okay, what what day is this? First of all, I have to say, what day is this? You know, what time is it? What day is it? What do I want to do today? How do I want to start this day? How do I how do I want to be today? And then I can kind of see what the day ahead is going to bring me. And throughout the day, what does that look like? What does that look like? You know, I have some simple practices. God is in every breath. I say, I take a deep breath. 
and I say God is in every breath, so that if I'm agitated or I'm afraid or I, I have a coworker that I'm, I'm having a difficult time with, if I have fear about something that's going to happen, I try to be in conscious contact through my breath. How easy is that? I'm breathing all day long, all day long. It's a great reminder to me to be in conscious contact. And it says that when we're, our thinking as time passes will be placed more upon the plane of inspiration and that we can come to rely on it. You know, so if my thinking isn't aligned with God, I'm going to behave in a whole lot different ways than I used to behave. And then it tells me that at night I can review that process. I can review that day. I can look at that day and I can ask, was there anything I could have done better? Could I have been in in alignment a little better? You know, all those things, very common, very, very consistent things that I do throughout the day. And then, you know, I do a writing and a reading assignment every day. I try to stay close to the literature. I try to look at things that can be helpful, readings that can be helpful for me. And every day I write this on my page. I say, God, reveal to me, guide me, educate me, show me the ways of love. The ways of love. Because I think... I can count on that God will provide me with opportunities, things that I used to think were obstacles and things that I used to think were, were things I could not get through without eating. Now I try to look at them as opportunities. I try to say, God, direct my thinking. Because it's my thinking that makes me suffer. So direct my thinking. Help me to see things differently. Shift my perception. Show me the ways of love in this situation with this person. If it's a grocery clerk, if it's a bank teller, if it's the gas station attendant, you know, if it's my coworker, whatever it is, you know, show me the ways of love. You know, show me the ways of love. That's prayer and meditation for me. And I try to do a little bit of conscious contact work throughout the day. And and I think I've become more of a seeker than I ever thought I'd become. You know, the big book says, you know, that we use ministers and rabbis and and people who are steeped in spiritual life, and we listen to them. We listen to what they say. We seek out spiritual literature. I listen to spiritual tapes. I seek out AA speakers and and people that, that speak about spiritual things and tell their stories. I use the vision for you. I listen to my other fellows that walk this path. You know, I can learn from everybody. Thank you, God. I can learn from everybody. And I can be inspired by people. I can be inspired by people who share their experience, strength, and hope with me. And they don't always have to be 12-step people. You know, I, I, my radar is up. My radar is up. I'm awake and aware today. And I can find that spiritual life in all kinds of different ways, in all kinds of different people. And I, I'm so grateful for that. So, you know, I, that's my brief but, but heartfelt desire to share with you, you know, how I've learned that vital sixth sense, that vital sixth sense. I think that my radar is up and, and I'm open and I'm willing more than I ever have been before. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Janice, for sharing with us your experience with Step 11. Now we welcome Michelle H. to the line. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, and thank you, Janice. Um, Good morning to everyone here on A Vision for You. Um, I'm very grateful to be asked to be a part of this panel and to speak and share about my experience of Step 11 this morning. Um, I'm Michelle H. I'm from Missouri, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater by the grace of God. Um, I'll just briefly tell you that um, I came back into the rooms of OA in July of 2005. Say I came back, I, I did a short stint from 96 to 97 um, to where I identified myself right out of the rooms. Um, I was at um, a lower weight than when I came back in 2005. Um, but I'll tell you, um, I, I, when I came back in July of 2005, I was desperate. I am a real compulsive overeater. Um, <clears throat> at that point, um, we were planning to take a trip um, to British Columbia, to Na- Canada, in Canada, and it was um, a beautiful dream trip that we had planned, and all I could think about was um, how could I stop eating. I couldn't stop eating. I didn't have anything to wear. I was all consumed about myself and my weight. And by the grace of God, it's the only thing I can I know to give credit to, um, I came back into the rooms. Um, but at that point, I thought I took step one. Today I look back and I see that I did not surrender 100% without reservation um, or take step when I took my step one. I, what I did was um, I became abstinent. But on October 20th, 2010, I did, um, take, did surrender 100% without reservation and um, took step one. Um, I have recovered from a spiritual malady through the process of working all the 12 steps. I've straightened out physically um, with a weight loss of about 74, 75 pounds. And my recovery today is contingent on my, spirit, my fit spiritual condition one day at a time. And um, at this time, I pray that I may be an open channel for God to say what he wants me to say and to stay out of his way. And, um, you know, I am so grateful to have this opportunity to share my experience with you. I always get so much more um, than what I give. And um, already I had received a gift from, as I was thinking about what, you know, trying to collect my thoughts about what I wanted to share with you all today. And so yesterday I had um, some time and I was writing some things down. And as I was writing, I wrote several pages, but um, I just didn't feel that it was coming from my heart. And I didn't know what the problem was. Uh, it was it was my experience. It was my truth. But I just I felt dis-ease with it. And so I was prompted I believe, by my higher power, to pick up my e-reader. I have several um, 12-step books there, and on it um, is the language of the heart. And I believe that's conference approved. It's on the literature table at our OA conventions. And I had been reading through that book on my e-reader, and when I opened it up, I was at the place exactly that gave me the answer to what, what what my feelings were, my feelings of disease. And it was about pride blindness. And it was talking about spiritually being spiritually prideful. And it was talking about how Bill, you know, was so enthusiastic about his experience and that that he was thinking that everybody should have the experience, the spiritual experience that he had, that his way was the right way. And he didn't mean to do it, 
but on reflection he saw that it had turned people away. And as I reread what I had written, it sounded preachy. It sounded like I was doing exactly that. It sounded like I was saying that my way was the way, the right way, the only way. And so I was so grateful that that God pointed that out to me. And I'm saying that and sharing that with you today because because of this program and the process, I'm I'm able to be honest with you today about who I am, which was part of my disease of isolation, not wanting you to know who I am. And so I know today that it is um, spiritual progress and not perfection. And I say that in hopes that you will hear the God of your understanding and that um, this is my effort to deflate my ego as I share my experience with you. And so if you hear enthusiasm, um, I hope you know that it's my enthusiasm for the love of God that I've found through Step 11 and, to that you hear the God of your understanding. So in 2005, I was not aware that I had a spiritual malady. Um, you know, on page 64 of the big book, it says that we have been spiritually sick, but I didn't know that. And it says that when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. And But I just thought I, in 2005 I had a physical problem, and so I tried to solve my problem with willpower and a food plan. And this is what I did when I first got abstinent. I didn't know it, but I made my food plan my higher power. Um, and I would have denied it because I was, I was blind to it if you would have confronted me with it. Um, as I was in the rooms of um, Overeaters Anonymous when I would hear recovered speakers, um, I was being confronted with it, but I was in denial. And the other thing in 2005, what I heard was this mantra that abstinence was the most important thing in my life without exception. And I believe that my food plan was the most important thing in my life without exception. And as you see, God was nowhere to be found in that equation. So, again, I said I had not surrendered 100%. But because I had some weight loss, I believed that I had surrendered to a power greater than myself. I thought surrendering my Ben's foods was enough. I had not worked the steps according to the big book, and I was still looking to other people, human resources, other people for answers, and truly not seeking God. It wasn't until I surrendered completely to God in October of 2010 that my mind became open to hearing and working the steps as directed in the first 164 pages of the big book. First, I surrendered my food and my food plan to God. I admitted my arrogance and my resistance to letting go of my will to God. It, it wasn't that I didn't believe that God didn't see this in me. Um, I, you know, I did believe that God was all-knowing and all-seeing um, or that I could hide this from God, but it was the way for me to get honest with myself and God and then eventually with my sponsor. It was being in a place of humble surrender that opened up my mind and heart for God's grace. His grace was always there waiting for that opening, for me to seek his help. It was through working the rest of the steps that I have experienced God's grace as long as I was open and I remain open and I'm willing to receive it. Because it had been self, you know, self-will, self-centeredness, self-centered fear, my selfish thinking, which has blocked God and will block God and my God consciousness. Um, but when I was working and have worked um, steps four through nine, that was the way to first become aware of my self-centeredness and my selfish behaviors, because I was blinded to them before that. It wasn't until I did step four um, that I saw how selfish and self-centered I was and how, how I was gripped by fear and dominated by others. Um, so taking the rest of the steps, I admitted my grosser handicaps, and then humbly asked God to remove them. I prayed for the willingness 
and I do today, to see my character defects as objectionable, um, and I pray for the willingness to um, you know, let them go. I made a list of those I had harmed and made amends to those on my list. In step 10, I continue to watch for selfishness, as it's already been stated this morning. I continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Um, you know, the big book says that resentment is the number one offender, and from it stem all spiritual diseases. Again, talking about spirituality and lack of it on my part. I ask God to remove them at once when these do crop up. And the purpose of these steps is to open and keep open the channel through which God's grace and love can flow into me. It is through the process of the steps that God transforms my life. It is only with his grace that I am able to be an expression of love and tolerance to my fellows. And I need to stay close to God because it's in his power and not mine that allows me to be of service to him and to others. His power is what was lacking in my life. His power was required to remove the mental um, obsession of my mind once I put down my binge food. And I say his power um, because, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't mind saying he, um, but I know for some people it could be she and her. But I say his power was needed to remove shortcomings which stood in the way of my usefulness to others. So step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. Step 11 gives me directions for building a relationship with my higher power, whom I call God. And, you know, page 51 in the big book, it's one of my, my favorite um, reminders. It states, many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. And how different was that for me um, from saying that abstinence is the most important fact in my life today? And that's what the big book has taught me. That's where the difference was. That made all the difference for me to become recovered, I believe. I want to follow the direction in the big book to have a fellowship with God. As with all important relationships, communication is essential. So the big book instructs me on how to communicate with God. Um, but first I need to review my, my day each evening. And so before retiring, I do ask God's forgiveness and for any corrective measures as the big book directs. If I am angry, fearful, or frustrated, then God cannot be found. I am blocking God, and I am back into self-will. God gives me free will, and these forms of self-centeredness will block or hurt my relationship with my higher power. But God is ready to forgive if I am willing to seek his forgiveness and approach him in a state of a sincere desire to do his will. And then each morning I do ask God. I have a little bookmark prayer um, that was taken from um, the big book. And I ask God to, in this order, direct direct my thinking so that it be divorced of self-pity, dishonesty, self-will, self-seeking, and fear. I ask God to inspire my thinking, decisions, and intuitions. I pray that he help me to relax and take it easy. I ask him to free me of doubt and indecision and guide me throughout my day, showing me my next step. I ask him to give me what I need to take care of any problems. I ask not for myself, but so that I may be of maximum service to God and all the people I meet during my day. I also say each morning the third and seventh step prayers. Then I take time to quiet, to get quiet, 
be quiet and listen for God to speak or give me an intuitive thought. I set aside time with the intention that I am to be still, and this time is for God to speak or reveal what he wants. It is the intention and the sacred space that I create that is necessary for this to happen. This quiet time is often called meditation, and there are many forms of meditations. I like how the AA 12 and 12 describes meditation. It states that it is essentially an individual adventure, something which each one of us works out in his own way. But its object is always the same, to improve our conscious contact with God, with his grace, wisdom, and love. And finding um, meditation that worked for me was an adventure. It was a wonderful adventure. Um, I have to laugh when I think about it because I spent so much time reading about how to meditate that I was using the time that time instead of actually meditating. And I remember uh, reading um, from one of the spiritual um, leaders saying that she did the same thing. She she read and read and read about how to pray instead of just doing it. And um, so I was um, brought to a form of meditation. There are many, many, many forms. And again, I know there's no right way. There's no perfect way. And I think that's what I was doing in my character defect of perfectionism. I was looking for the perfect way, the right way. And um, there is only one way to um, to um, actually do meditation, and, and that is just do it. Just sit and do it. And that's what I found, and, and God is there. He's always there. And, you know, the AA 12 and 12 also describes what's come true for me with meditation. Um, it's on page 101 uh, on the 12 and 12. It's, it uh, continues by stating that one of the first fruits of meditation is emotional balance. I have found that I have harmony and calmness. That's that emotional balance with all I meet on my day, during my day. You know, if um, if I am dis- I am undisturbed throughout my day with events that would have caused me anger or frustration in the past, if I wouldn't have done my meditation or made that conscious contact with God, um, I am, I'm just, um, I'm always just so grateful, and um, I don't know why I keep being amazed. God is always providing what I need, but it's just like, oh, my goodness, before um, this interaction would have greatly disturbed me and upset me, um, those were exactly the things that would have taken me back to the food. But today, after meditation and quiet time with God and listening to him, I have harmony and calmness. So, um, and then, like it's already been said, prayer and meditation will deepen and does deepen that channel between um, myself, um, us, and God as we understand him. The words in the big book on page 55 also ring true for me. It states that we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. The other fruits of daily conscious contact with God are outlined on page 88 in the big book. It describes emotional balance, I believe, is where I am much less in danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. A prayer that helps me and is simple to remember is also um, in the big book, and, and it's, I will be done. And on page 103 in the 12 and 12, um, it also talks about that prayer. It says, Thy will, not mine, be done. And and I love the paragraph um, that talks about it, um, saying that just saying it over and over will often enable us to clear a channel choked up with anger, 
fear, frustration, or misunderstanding and permit us to return to the surest help of all, our search for God's will, not our own, in that moment of stress. At these critical moments, if we remind ourselves that it is better to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved, we will be following the intent of step 11. And so, you know, that's become a real favorite prayer of mine, Thy will not mine be done. And I'd like to share just um, a short story with you about um, how the 11th step has provided harmony and balance in my relationship and how prayer meditation has helped me tremendously in my job setting. You know, I've become more loving and tolerant of the many people I meet during my my 12-hour work days. But most recently, God showed me his power of transforming love due, due to practicing these spiritual disciplines. And it has to do with my relationship with our older son. He has invited and welcomed, welcomed me to be a part of his world and his relationship with his significant other. Um, something when I was in my disease, I was pretty much shut out of other relationships, um, I'm sure because of my controlling and critical nature. Um, but he has shared his ups and downs with me that happen in all relationships. And God has given me his grace to be able to listen to our son as he describes those up and downs that, you know, while he's learning to share a life with someone special. And it reminds me that, you know, God's enabled me to do what my sponsor does for me. I'm I'm able to now create a sacred space and just listen with, to my son and to those people who are important in my life. I've had to say many times I will be done to stay in a state of serenity and not to react to some of the things that he shares with me. Um because sometimes, you know, I you know, we want things to be really good for our children and don't want them to have to suffer, but yet I know that um, it is through our suffering that we have our growth and we learn and we grow and we change. And I have learned that there are two sides to every story in a relationship. So God gives me the grace to, to accept the situation at hand without also trying to force an outcome that I want. And recently I was to meet up with our son and his girlfriend for her birthday. Um, <clears throat> I was plagued by fear at first, and I um, um, needed to pray the fear prayer. didn't mention the fear prayer, but that's where we just ask God to please remove our fear and direct his attention, uh, direct my attention to who he would want me to be, you know, to be more loving, more compassionate, more caring, because I didn't know if I could meet them and be loving, especially after some of the things that my son had shared with me about his relationship. I wanted to acknowledge your birthday, but fear tried to move in. And the fear prayer and saying, thy will be done, kept me close to God, um, kept me close to building that relationship, trying to be as God would want me to be. In meditation, I got an intuitive thought that I could see his girlfriend through the eyes of God. The next step was the next right thing to do. I was guided by God to share his love with a small, with a small gesture to celebrate the day that she was created by the creator of us all. God filled my heart with peace and love. It was an honest expression of love and given unconditionally. You see, my fear was that she would not continue to be in my son's life, and therefore maybe I should not give her a little gift. God removed this selfish way of thinking and showed me that love is always the best gift to give. A gift given without any expectations is a gift of love. It was such a beautiful lesson. I did not make a foolish decision. I think it would have been foolish not to celebrate or give her that small gift or stay in my selfish way of thinking. And my selfish way of thinking would have prevented me from giving her that expression of love. After seeking God's guidance in the situation, that's what guided me. That's what helped me. 
It's a short prayer, but when said with humble sincerity, it certainly opened the channel between me and my higher power. My problem all along, you see, was that I was powerless and that I needed a higher power in my life to guide me. I foolishly thought or just didn't know that my problem was all about my weight, that my problem was would be solved without the spiritual solution, and that without the spiritual solution I would have just had weight loss. But God has given me a beautiful gift in the 12 steps as described in, these, in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because truly my solution is a spiritual solution. And page 164 reinforces this message so much to me. It's a simple sentence, but it says, See to it that your relationship with him, meaning God, the God of our understanding, is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my experience in working Step 11. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michelle, for sharing with us today. And I now welcome Judy F. to the line. Good morning, Judy, and welcome. Good morning, Leah. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking me to join this panel. And I so appreciate what Janice and Michelle shared from their heart. And um, it is so exciting, Step 11. I'll give you a brief history of where I came from and how I got to where I am today. Um, I, ever since I was young, I was a compulsive overeater. I went to food. Um, and although I didn't have um, a large weight gain when I was growing up, I had the fear, doubt, and insecurity and um, the love of food. And then starting at 12, I started with the, um, I had gained some weight um, by overeating. I was very active when I was younger and then gained weight and then started the diet and the exercise bulimia. Um, and then in college, I um, started um, binging through um, over-exercise, exercising three or four hours a day um, and major binging um, and also laxative use and some purging. And I had like two months of anorexia of just eating a fruit a day. And then um, getting out of college, I was uh, about 50 or 60 pounds overweight. And then um, went in and out of diets and, and therapy, eating disorder groups. Uh, OA, I, I kind of came in and out. And when they mentioned God, I thought it was the cult, so I left. And, um, and then I, when I realized diets didn't work, I thought, when I heard them say weigh and measure, I thought it's just another diet and um, I was on medication uh, and um, hit a bottom and went to a hospital. I was hospitalized for seven weeks um, for depression and compulsive reading. And um, then I, I had lost some weight. They didn't take out all my binge food. Um, so as soon as I got out, I was back and, and gained what I um, lost plus more, and then I lost my job. Um, I wasn't speaking to my family. I was living to eat, and I was, it had been a habit, like Janice said, and then it became a necessity. I thought I needed it, and it was my God. It, I went to food for everything, and I shut everyone else out, and by the grace of God, I had been to a therapist who was um, strong in OA, 
in the big book and recommended a treatment center that was based on the big book. And by the grace of God, truly, um, I got on a plane and, and um, just kind of turned my life over to this treatment center. And right away, they got into the big book. Um, and we got into what our binge foods were and where alcohol was in the big book. We put our binge foods and so started. But what was important for me, and that was um, almost 21 and a half years ago, and uh, my abstinence date is July 29th, 1991, and I am truly grateful to God, truly grateful to God in these 12 steps. And uh, right away, um, we read the, the doctor's opinion and also worked on um, a step two and coming to our own conception of God. So when I talk about step 11 today, thought through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, um, it really was, it developed um, from when I first uh, chose a conception of God. And that took me a while to even think I could. Like I thought, well, God is God. And, and that helped me see, um, and in my four steps, helped me see that I had a resentment against God. Um, my sister had died when, when um, I, I was four and, and she was young and my two brothers had mental illness and my father's an alcoholic. So I was really angry with God and um, I had always been taught, um, well, you need to accept everything, you know, because it's all from God. And, and I didn't go beyond that, that we could go to God for comfort through these difficult situations. So um, by doing the step work, and, and in the big book, um, you know, on, on page 52, the chapter, We Agnostics, um, you know, that paragraph before, you know, when couldn't control emotional natures, that was me, prey to misery and depression. I mean, I was on so many different um, depression meds, uh, antidepressants. Um, we had a feeling uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem help. And then the next paragraph, when we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. So as I went through the big book, read the big book with um, a sponsor and, and started working the steps, that's when I was, my self-will, my ego was breaking down. And I was given a prayer, a set-aside prayer, and it comes from the big book. It, it kind of paraphrases things from the big book because um, in one, two, three, four, five, six places, it talks about my prejudice and um, my, like, page 42 uh, it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. So when they asked me to develop a new conception of God, that was, I had to throw out what, I, I had to let go of what I knew in order to bring in the new conception that would work and that would be, um, that would bring me to that freedom from the food, freedom from the mental obsession and to live a happy, useful life. And then, um, and then on page 46, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, 
we commence to get results. And that is what is so awesome. God, I, and I'm, I'm going to call my higher power God. That's what I've come to. It, in the beginning, it was the treatment center. Then it was OA. But um, it has developed into a personal relationship with the higher power. And I do call him God. And so God meets us wherever we are. You know, I just, fortunately, I had the gift of desperation. I tried everything, and I could list all the different other things I tried. I, I don't need, I think you get the, the gist of it. And finally, God broke through that denial, and, and I saw that I can't, I, I make a mess out of everything, and I can't help myself. I can't, a sick mind cannot heal a sick mind. And I came to realize that I did have a sick mind. So the set-aside prayer, God, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, the 12 steps, the big book, the meeting, my disease, and you, God, most of all, so I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please let me see the truth. And I pray that in the morning. I pray that before when I'm at a meeting. Um, and I, I try to keep in a humble state because I am still learning and you know, it's so well said, you know, it's pro- spiritual progress, not perfection. So I depend a lot on the big book um, for working my my um, 12, uh, 11th step. Uh, in the beginning, I was told to, um, suggested to read pages 84 to 88, which is steps 10 and 11, um, and to take a quiet time. And in that... Um, I, a lot of times at first, I mean, I could not quiet my mind, um, so I was reading a lot, and um, I took a half hour, and a lot of that was reading because I used food to calm me down. I used food to, um, well, the lie I told myself is the food's going to calm me down. The food's going to give me energy when I need energy. I, so I went to food, so, you know, my food was down. I put the binge foods down. And now I'm all nerves. And so, and then, so that's just to the half hour and quiet time. It's like, are you kidding? Like, what did I do with myself? So reading the literature really helped. And um, and it was OA literature. And that's developed over time, too. So in these 21 years, it's been a journey. It's been an awesome journey. Um I was also suggested in the beginning to uh, say the serenity prayer before I ate it before every meal, and I still do that this to do this to this day um, because it centers me, so I'm not attacking my food like in the beginning I wanted to, and um, and God's present in, in my meal, and it's it's nutrition for my body, and it's more about. Um, it's still a connection with God, and I try to make everything about God today, and um, and I need a lot of help with that. Uh, please believe me. So on page 86, um, it's interesting they start step 11 with the evening, and I, I this is really important for me because um, I did a lot of work in step 4 looking at um, when I, we call them um, uh, turnaround, resentment and fear turnarounds, where I'm tur- literally God through this writing is turning my, my thoughts around to see it in a different light, to see it in God's light. I started just re- writing my fourth step, took the third step, prayed with my 
sponsor, and then she directed every time I do the fourth step to pray the third step prayer and then to invite God in, and I'm the secretary. So in step three, I'm, um, and, and then step four, I'm praying to God a lot. Um, there's the sick man's prayer in step four. So I, when I would do it before I wrote um, my turnarounds, like where I had to turn it around those resentments to look at my part, I would say the sick man's prayer. So it got God into my work. So my step work was all about God, all about God showing me where I was blocked. And I was the secretary writing it down. And it was succinct. It wasn't on and on. It, I wasn't into self-pity. It was just the facts. And I'm grateful for that, but it, I couldn't have done it if I didn't invite God in every time I didn't say the third step prayer. So that got me used to trusting, relying on God, because this, my sponsor said, this is between you and God. I'm your guide. So um, so that's why in step 11, the evening is, is like step four turnaround. Were, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? So that's on page 86, and you can read it. What I thought is, I'll give you an example. Um, what I found a couple years ago, um, I was getting waxed on this evening, um, and I was talking to an OA a big book friend, and so we... Um, thought would be accountability partners. And what we do most of the time um, is at night I email her my 11-step um, evening review. And I'll give you an example. Um, so this is, um, were you resentful? Um, yes. Um, Rich, that's my husband. Uh, cause. He assumed that because I have the week off, then he'll have it off and spend it with me. He didn't get a closet job. He's not working hard enough on his business. It affects self-esteem, fear, my personal relations, financial security, ambition, selfish. I wanted him to get the job and to plan to work harder this week. I didn't want him to assume that my time is his time. I wanted time alone and to do what I want to do, see who I want to see. Dishonesty, expecting him to behave the way I wanted, thinking I can read his mind, telling myself that Rich won't let me have my time alone. This is false. Denying the truth that I have a choice to do what I want and that I go to God to know what to do. Self-seeking behavior. Thinking badly of him, playing the victim and the martyr, telling him I've made plans when I haven't, asked him when he's going to the office, going to do work, being indirect. Fear of being trapped, of not getting what I want, fear of economic insecurity, of rich not making money for us, of losing money. And then... I do a fear turnaround. Why do I have the fears? Self-reliance is failing me. How is self-reliance failing me? Assuming ill will, assuming ill will, thinking badly of the other person, thinking that I need to control him and get him to work harder in indirect ways, thinking of future scenarios where we don't have any money because this isn't working. And what should I have done instead? Trusted and relied on God. And what would it look like if I trusted and relied on God? I would relax and let go and let God. I would be grateful that Rich wants to spend time with me. I trust that God is Rich's employer and my employer and will take care of us. I would pray to God for his will for me this week. And so that was where we were resentful. And then I go on to, um, was I selfish? And um, yes, I didn't want to write my nightly inventory. 
and I didn't want to take one of my sponsors' call this morning. Was I dishonest today, thinking it's a waste of time to write an inventory, thinking it takes too long? And uh, the second one, denying that I actually don't like her, <laughs> thinking I can read her mind, thinking that she didn't read the big book like she said she'd do, denying that Sunday mornings are for rich and need to have intimate time. Was I afraid? Fear of Rich telling me that I'm doing too much program when I do my inventory every night, fear that I'm not doing the inventory correctly. And um, the second part of the fear of having to do something I don't want to do, fear that I'll be angry with my sponsors for not following through on their commitment. And then why do I have these fears? Self-reliance is failing me. And how is it failing me? Telling myself that I haven't changed for the better writing these inventory, that I can just do it in my head, and that I'll keep doing that, that the big book doesn't say we write 11 steps, which is true, by the way. It does not say we write it. The reason why I write it, um, because I found when I didn't write it, I wasn't doing it. And as on page 88, it says we are, um, we are undisciplined. Um, so I find this helps me to discipline. Um, and so then what would be different? I would just do it. I would thank God for this tool and trust that I'm getting better. And I realize that it's not about my sponsee, but about me and my defects. I would trust and rely on God to change me and accept that God brought her in my life to practice love, tolerance, and patience. And then it goes down to I owe an apology. And that day, no, I didn't. Um, I did apologize earlier to Rich about my attitude about this week. And this is just... Um, I catch anything I don't catch during the day. So this does assume that we're, I do a spot check 10-step inventory during the day. And then what kind was I kind and loving towards all? Yes, I was kind and loving to Rich this morning, to OA people on the phone, and to my mom on the phone, and to a neighbor. Um, what would I have done better? I would have relaxed and expressed joy today for all the gifts God has given me and keeps giving me. And was I thinking of myself most of the time? Yes, in between phone calls and working with the sponsee. So that still comes up. I'm still um, selfish, self-seeking, and I still need to be reminded to keep going to God. And um, did I think of what I could pack into the stream of life? And I put, I spent one and a half hours with the sponsee doing big book work, uh, step work. And um, did I pause throughout the day when agitated or doubtful? And I do bring this into um, another way of connecting with God is those pauses. And I pause. Um, it's been a habit for me at work when I go into the bathroom. That's like a signal for me to breathe in God, breathe in out any fear, doubt, insecurity, and to get connected to God and pause and ask God what would be my next step do you need me to do anything right now? So that's a way I can separate myself from others to go into that secret place with God. Um, and then I paused when I felt agitated with Rich this afternoon at the grocery store and I took a breath and asked God for help. And then when faced with indecision, did I ask God for inspiration, intuitive thought, or decision? And this reinforces that what I do during the day of connecting with God as well um, I can be very indecisive, and um, and this is a great reminder that that's okay. I can go to God, and then I wait and trust for the next right thought, decision. Um, and, you know, wasn't sure what to do this week, and asking God for his will, how can I be useful this week? So it's another 
I need to reinforce this daily, like in the 12 and 12, like we need water and food, oxygen. I need my connection with my God every morning I take it, and then this nightly review at night. Um, and then I read this. This is what I write, and then I read it. We are careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, so that would diminish our usefulness to others. And I lived in morbid reflection before before working the steps and um, having a relationship with God. And it clearly says we don't stay there, and we can make, after making our review, we ask God's forgiveness. So I ask God to forgive me and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. And then for this day, my corrective measure was practice conscious contact with God more. And that's a lot, a lot of days it's that. Or if I have to make um, uh, an apology, that's where I would do that. And then I do say this prayer at the end. God, please forgive me for my failings today. I know that because of my failings, I was not able to be as effective as I could have been for you. Please forgive me and help me live thy will better tomorrow. Father, I ask that you now show me how to correct the errors I have just outlined. Guide me and direct me. Please remove my arrogance and my fear. Show me how to make my relationships right and grant me the humility and strength to do thy will. So that's, um, and there are some days that I cannot write. Um, like right now I'm visiting my mother and I don't have the computer. So I do write it in my notebook and then I, I pray it. Um, and sometimes it's, quicker than, than sometimes it's a real great day and I'm connected with God and um, most work days there's something that comes up that is in me and that's another thing I learned in these um, if I'm disturbed it's in me even if someone is doing something that might not even be the right thing to do but if I'm really disturbed and I'm holding on to it then I have to look at my part and bring God into the situation uh, so by working the steps, I, I was getting closer to God, um, and so and then step eleven, that's my um, my evening, and then in the morning, I um, well, uh, I then we get up in the morning, and I get on my knees right away, and I say a prayer, and I ask God for absence and for to direct my day, and I pray to help whoever needs help, and that I be useful to God and to serve others. Um, and I need to be in that state of mind of serving others and to getting my marching orders from God and trusting that God's going to give me everything I need for the day. And that's a promise he, in many um, liter different literatures. And I do um, today read um, another book and I, I do um, my quiet time in the morning is I have my list of people I pray for, and I can add to that list, and I go through that. And then I um, read one literature. When I first got in, I had seven pieces of literature. I was very compulsive. And I find my mind is better with one. And then from there, I pick out a word or a phrase. And this is what I'm doing for today, um, if that's what comes up for me. Sometimes what will come up for me is just, and it's my meditation for a half hour. And I find sometimes it takes me 20 minutes for my mind uh, to slow down. And then I actually have a quiet time for 10 minutes. So that's why I do, I, for me, I need that half hour. Sometimes it's just focusing on my breathing. Sometimes I'm focused on breathing, God, 
breathe out love because I want to be, I know God is filling me up so much with his love so then I can give to others that love. So I'll do that. I've done some meditations um, through my yoga practice. They have mantras. And um, so it's saying a mantra over and over to quiet the mind because the mind for me is still, even though I'm recovered and the problem has been removed, I, I, I'm still neutral with the food, but my mind is still running, running. So I'm trying to focus it and quiet it so I can listen to God. And that's what it's all about, listening, having that quiet time, listening for God's voice and not my voice of self-centered fear, really. And then, like I said before, during the day, I try to pause. I have the serenity prayer on my uh, computer at work, and I have other little prayers. Um, and then, um, at, and then also, yeah, the um, the indecision. I was always into indecision, so I need God so much. And what the steps have taught me is, um, I need to trust and rely on God because when I do, my day just I mean, calamity may happen, but I can meet it with serenity. And I love that in the big book it says that. And um, so I'm, it is, it really is um, growth. Um, I'm learning from everyone. Just last week someone told me there's an app that I can put on my phone that will give me a ding so that will remind me to think of God. So I'm going to work on getting that because I do need, need help. My mind wants to go into my agenda and what I want. And um, I also believe in affirmative prayer. So really affirming that God loves me, um, affirming that all is fundamentally well um, and that God is in charge and I can let God be my director. Um, Other things I've done, I've had a spiritual director that I met with um, every couple of weeks. Um, I've gone on silent retreats, and the first one was very difficult, and now I love them. And it's, you're silent the whole time. There's other people there, but you just smile to them, and I really get in touch. Um, I try to do a retreat a year. I can't always do that. but um, And then recently reconnecting with my childhood religion, and I have um, a prayer group uh, at 530 in the morning with five other people. And... Um, that uh, and and we we read um, from a meditation book, we share, and then we have prayer together, and that has just been such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's what you know the big book really does give us directions in all of these. I mean, it says it says that we can um, you know we can get help from rabbis and ministers and pray with others. So I just keep following the directions, keep an open mind, and pray that. God, you know, removes my pride and my self-centered fear and that I pray for willingness every day to do this. But it works. It, I have such a beautiful life today and, and not that things are going great right now, um, but um, I'm just looking for the good and God helps me with that. When I connect with God, I can see how it's being blessed. So with that, uh, thank you again for asking me to be on this panel, and I um, I wish you all a God-centered day. 
Thank you very much, Judy F., for sharing with us how you thread Step 11 through your daily life. And thank you, of course, to all our speakers this morning, Janice P., Michelle H., and Judy F. We now open the line for questions. Uh, Janice did have to attend to another commitment, uh, but we have... um, Michelle and Judy F. here, and we'll take questions related to Step 11, please, till about 10 o'clock. Press star 1 to unmute if you'd like to ask a question. This is Nancy Leah. Can I ask a question? Please go ahead, Nancy. Uh, Nancy here, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. Um, I always like to um, study Step 11. It's... Um, Thank you, God, that I have a conscious contact with God of my understanding today. Because um, like one of the um, speakers, I think it was Janice, but was talking about she had that childlike perception of, of who and what God was or is, and that's what I did too. I kind of um, was stuck in that if I follow the Ten Commandments, then when I die, I'll go to heaven and everything will be good. And, of course, I can never follow them perfectly, so I just said, well, screw it, I- not good enough. But anyway, um, I do have that conscious contact today, but my struggle with Step 11 has always been, I kind of followed that traditional, you know, you you set aside this time in the morning for for prayer and meditation. And so what happens with me, there's two things that um, is a problem. One, it becomes rote to me. If I try to follow like a specific thing, then I end up doing the same thing every day. And in in a sense, I kind of get bored with it. It loses meaning because it just becomes like this robotic rote thing that I do every day. And two, the second problem that I have is that I tend to have a little bit of a manic mind. My mind will start doing the squirrel cage thing, you know, and and it wanders. So if I try to just sit and be quiet, you know, to meditate. My understanding is praying is talking to God, meditating is listening for God. And so when I'm trying to do the meditate part where I'm listening, then I have that squirrel cage thinking that goes off and my mind ends up wandering all over. And um, I've tried a few different disciplines, like um, I've had it suggested just say the word stop out loud and go back to where I was, you know, just keep doing that. And I've done that. But again, you know, um, so that's, the second problem, the two, one, it becomes kind of rote and lacks meaning, and two, I have this squirrel cage um, mind scattering that goes on when I'm trying to focus and meditate. So I guess my question is, how, um, what have you done to keep your prayer and meditation time meaningful and, you know, not, you know, I mean, not falling into that, those two things that I talked about, you know, how do we keep it alive? Do you do different things? Do you do the same thing every day? Or um, That's kind of my question. I, it was a long way of getting there. but um, And like I said, I, I have a conscious contact with God today. Thank you, God. I, I talk to him throughout my day. But I understand the purpose of Step 11 is to improve my conscious contact. And so I'm looking for ways to improve it, but to keep it meaningful and alive for me. So thank you very much. Thank you, Nancy, for the question. Michelle or Judy, would you like to respond to the question, please? Um, this is Judy. Thank I'm, you. In, in um, my experiences, I have changed it, and 
actually, I want to say God has sort of led me to different things. Um, I may, and and I look at it as really, um, I mean, I'm just so grateful to God for all the, you know, and I meant to say I also write gratitudes in the morning um, before I go into the quiet time and kind of get it, anything down on paper out if I need to write, like turn it over something so that it clears my mind a little more before I go into that quiet time. But that's where I found that I needed to have like a focus. Either it was a one word or um, sometimes. Um, and so it, I sort of depend on God on how it's going to look for that morning. But I go in with um, kind of a plan. But then if it if it changes, and I think when I'm in that state of gratitude and praise for God, that that's what I mean. I guess I really need to be plugged into that silence. Um, and I know sometimes, like when my, my dad died, I was so, I was grie- really in grief over it. And I did just do it routely. I, I did it because that's just what I knew I needed to do. Just like I, you know, I made connections with people, but I wasn't feeling it. And 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 sometimes I'm not waiting for the feeling, but I'm just doing it and, I might not hear, feel results in that half hour at all, but in the day, I know God, you know, God knows my intent was to listen, and I try to listen to the best of my ability, and that's why the, the tools of having a mantra or listening to the breath, and, and when, like, ideas come in, okay, thank you for sharing, and then kind of letting it go. And sometimes if it keeps coming in, and I do interrupt, I, I write it down and say, okay, good, it's over there. God knows it's over there. So now let's go back and um, and I either think like God or God in, love out. And um, and so it's a pra- it really is a practice. Uh, and it, I think I don't have that expectation it's going to be like silent the whole time and I'm going to have this big revelation from God, but... I think it sets me up for the day so I'm more in tune uh, to God. So that's just my experience. Thank you. Hey, Ms. Michelle. <clears throat> Thank you, you Judy. Go ahead. Yes, Michelle. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the question, Nancy. Um, yeah, I related to, um, you know, your question a lot. Um, one of the things I thought about was um, when I came at first, what prevented me from really spending time in meditation and prayer was, my judgment about it. And one of the things that I've learned is and was taught um, was not to judge the time that I'm spending on what I'm feeling or like um, Judy already said, like I may not feel that outcome or I may not know the outcome at that moment. I'm looking for something, looking for a feeling, but God is there and he is the divine healer and he is in my subconscious and it is the intent. I am there with the intention to spend time with God And in my meditation, um, all these thoughts do come flooding in at times, and then I just gently let them go. But um, I I have learned and was taught not to judge that, not to judge that meditation by, like, how many thoughts came in. You know, did that mean it was a better meditation this morning because not so many thoughts came in? Or was it a bad meditation because I was flooded with thoughts? I do not know. You know, only my higher power knows the value of it. I see the value because I have that harmony and peace and calmness 
Um, so my mind is not, you know, of God's mind. I can't judge. But that's what I did when I first went into meditation. I was judging it. And then through a workshop, I was taught, do not judge it, you know, do not be critical of it. But because I have a judging critical mind as part of my character defects, that's what I was doing initially. But I've learned to um, to not judge it and then just see the fruits of my labor, you know, as a 12 and 12. And Big Book talk about that there's less worry, you know, there's less frustration, less anger, and see the fruits um, that occur because of that time, and it is um, special sacred time, and God does lead me too. like what, you know, God prompted me to pick up that e-reader yesterday, and there it was, and sometimes I'll just sit in my meditation room around, I have a lot of meditation books too, and it's like, okay, um, God, which meditation book today? I have my favorites, and then when, you know, there's a reading that really particularly um, jumps out at me, it's like, you know, I'll meditate on that, so Thank you for the question. I, I really relate to that, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Nancy, for the question. Anyone else with a question related to Step 11 this morning? Star 1, to unmute. Hi, Leah. It's Mary Lou. Mary Lou, go ahead. Please speak up a little bit, please. Hi. Can you hear me better now? Yes. Okay. I wanted to thank the the Step 11 panel this morning, um, all all three were wonderful and deep and nourishing. And uh, but in particular, the third person who spoke, I don't remember her name. Nancy, I think. Was it Nancy or? Third panelist is Judy S. Judy, hi. Okay, uh, my question is directed towards Judy. Judy, um, I wanted to ask you, I... I I was going to be a, a cloistered nun when I was in my early 30s, a Carmelite nun, and I was introduced to contemplative prayer through that practice and still followed it even within my food addiction and compulsive eating, the practice of meditation, and now I'm studying to be a spiritual director. But anyway, you mentioned a spiritual director in your talk, and I was wondering if you had ever been exposed to the work of um, Thomas Keating um, or St. John of the Cross. Who was the first one? Um, Thomas Keating, Centering Prayer. Yes, yep, I have a book on the Centering Prayer, yes. Uh, the second okay. one, no. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was just wondering yep. if, okay, because I, anyway, so I just wanted to ask, because it does seem that the book, um, well, in the religious view on, on alcoholism, in the back, I I had a profound experience of God when I was getting sober in Alcoholics Anonymous and read the religious view. And I found out that I could actually, it says if you're already Catholic, you'll become a better Catholic. And I don't say all that to sound pious or to be divisive. But um, when I read the religious view on, on on everything and the medical view and all that other stuff, I realized that I would, God was going to call me through these 12 steps to become a better Catholic. And it, and then when I read the first 164 pages and it said there that I can seek uh, help from a minister, a rabbi, or other people, and they, it says in the big book, um, there are many helpful books, they, and they, they will recommend them to me. So I was wondering, uh, what was your experience with the spiritual director, and how did that expand your, once you'd taken the steps, once you had became a clear channel for God's grace, and you put the food down, and you took your steps, how did seeing a spiritual director help you to expand your prayer life and your contemplative, meditative um, prayer life? And would you recommend a spiritual director to other people? Yeah, th- thank you for um, asking that. Um, 
I, I had a friend that was seeing a spiritual director, and um, I had been in therapy even uh, coming in, in um, 21 and a half years ago. I, I, I did um, see a therapist um, to help me with some other issues, and um, so I've been seeing a therapist for and different therapists, um, depending on what was going on, and so I wanted to, and, and that the main reason I went, of course, was to improve my um, step 11, my conscious contact with God, and um, and I wanted it in in the, uh, my religion of my childhood, and it just kind of came about. Um, I put it out there to God, and then it was a God thing that um, how I got connected to her, and what. I mean, she just really helped me. I mean, not only were we focusing on talking about God and, and she was helping me, like, to center my prayer, what my prayers could center on and, and taught me um, where to access things out of the book we were using. And and she she did little even exercises. Um, one was really neat, and I have it on my desk at work. Um, it's the colored sand. Um, I don't know if you remember when you were young and you'd have one color and then you put another color and you could even make things. And so she had this, like, what the colors, like the brown stood for um, God's strength and the blue, you know, God's love and all about God. And so I have that at my desk. It's, I, I find I, and I guess maybe as addicts, I, I forget. <laughs> and, um, forget what's good for me and forget that God's in charge and that I need to trust and rely on God. And so at everywhere, if you come into my house, I'll have, you know, little, um, I'll have the serenity prayer in different places. And um, at work, I have my, you know, and everyone at work knows I'm spiritual and I've never said anything, but coming into my office, I mean, I don't like, it's not posted everywhere, but there's little places. So, um, so anyway, her relationship with her helped me to, um, uh, and, and she had a lot of experience, um, years of experience. So it, it, and and I kind of worked through also more of um, accepting what you know life on life's terms and accepting like when difficult things. So when my father died, you know she was really there for me. When my husband was having marital problems, she was just really there for me. So. It, it was sort of like a therapist, but it was just all with a God-centered. Um, it was always about God, and that's what I found. Um, but it was it was really good to have someone for an hour and to really, you know, help me to um, really trust and rely on God. And I, I guess that's where a lot of, you know, I'm living in steps 10, 11, and 12 today to the best of my ability. And I'm, I'm, I have a long way to go, but I always want to keep being open to um, deepening that relationship with God because that's the solution for all my problems. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Thank you, Judy. And thank you, Mary Lou, for the question. Any other questions this morning related to Step 11, Star 1 to unmute? This is Susan. Susan, go ahead. Thanks so much. Um, Great to hear you both, and uh, my question about the monkey mind was answered, so thanks so much for that, but I have one other one. 
which is that part of my surrender process has been surrendering to the fact that the steps are in order for a reason and starting back at um, at, at step one when I joined Division for You, even though I was uh, in the middle of working at step four, getting abstinent and starting at step one. So, But I do have a question with respect to... Um, to, to when you're sponsoring, I wonder if each of you um, teach that we, we can start to pray and meditate right off the bat if your sponsee wishes to. Where does that fit in? I recognize that the aspect of step 11 that uh, follows step 10 in terms of, you know what, you know what I'll, I'll leave it at that in the <laughs> uh, just uh, just in terms of the prayer and meditation piece of Step 11. Thanks. Thank you, Susan, for the question. Michelle or Judy, would you like to respond to the question, please? This is Michelle. Thank <clears throat> you. Right. Um, good morning, Susan. Um, good to hear your voice. Um, yes, I, I do direct um, my sponsees to pray um, before, you know, most of them, most of the people that I work with do um, have a connection with the higher power, um, and they have their, you know, their way of connecting with their higher power and, and looking for um, that God consciousness. Um, but early on, I'll refer to the fear prayer and to the resentment prayer as a way, if there's some struggles that are going on before we get to step four, um, a way that um, is blocking them, um, preventing them from, you know, maybe on, maybe we're on step two and some things are coming up. So um, I I don't, um, as far as prayer and meditation, I encourage it. Thanks for the question. Yeah, thank you, Susan. Good to hear you. Um, yeah, I, I do as well. I, um, you know, it, it changed for, you know, it deepened for me when after doing the steps, but I was taught right away, you know, start having, you know, from step two, starting to have a relationship and the way to have a relationship with God is through prayer and meditation. So, um, and, you know, just showing up and doing it, not trying to have it in a certain way. Um, I, I recommend taking a, you know, um, you know, the big book and taking out something from the big book and, and focusing on that and getting quiet with that. Um, or if they have a meditation book um, they like to use and um, and getting on their knees. Uh, I don't require getting on their knees, but I make that suggestion because that's a great way to, sh- you know, physically surrender to God. And um, and then we talk about it if, it if something is blocking them um, and, you know, kind of sh- trying to establish a relationship where they can talk to God. And I, I think spending time on step two of getting their you know, I help them find what is, for now, what do you want your relation, um, your conception of God to be. And so, you know, that's work we do when we're doing, you know, steps two and um, steps three. But I do recommend to them um, to start talking and listening to God. Thank you. Oh, this is Michelle. I'd like to add one thing that um, God just put into my consciousness was, that you know, often in the beginning, um, you know, if you're if my my sponsees, I'm just like them, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I went to human resources 
um, I didn't know to go to God. Um, you know, I went to food and I go to other people and I go to diet books and self-help books. And one of the things that I learned early on from my sponsor that I try to, um, you know, do for my sponsees is to tell them to <clears throat> remind them to take it to God when they're coming to me. Because what I would do is I would run to my sponsor with a problem. And um, I didn't notice it in the beginning, but um, she she would be very quiet and she wouldn't give me advice. And I would be pressing her to give me advice and give me suggestions. And she would be quiet and she would listen to me. And then she'd say um, and, you know, recommend and suggest that, you know, I, I take that to God. Um, why don't I go and pray about it and ask God for direction? And then after that, then come back and talk to her about it. And so early on, I was directed in a subtle way. I look back now, and I'm, I smile because my, my sponsor was so gentle with that. But she was showing me right then, right there, that um, she didn't have the answers, but God did. And if he would thought, you know, if I would just seek him, I would find that guidance. And so um, that's something I try to remember to do for my sponsees. Thanks. I just thought of that. I'll pass. Thank you. Very much. Anyone else with a question related to Step 11? Hi, it's uh, Hanarifka from Passaic. I just wanted to know if the panelists would agree to share their phone numbers with us. Sure, absolutely. Um, this is Michelle H., and um, I am going to be heading off to work today, So, um, but I'm, I'm happy to receive and ex exchange, um, you know, um, Big Book Talk. Um, my phone number, my cell is 314-605-8662, 314-605-8662, and I'm Central Standard Time. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Michelle. Again, she's Michelle H. on the contact list from Missouri. And Judy F.? Yes, I love getting calls, and if you don't reach me, just put time that I can call you back. Uh, my number it's East Coast time zone, and it's 508-735-1442, and it's Judy F. from Massachusetts. Thank you. Thank you. Again, both of these panelists, as well as Janice P. from Minnesota, they all their names and contact information can be found on a Vision for You contact list. Anyone else with a question related to Step 11 before we wrap up this meeting this morning? Well, I'm not sure this is Step 11, but... Hi, Steve. Good morning. Hi. Uh, the question of abstinence, I understand that is a gift from God, from my higher power. And so if I am slipping and going back to my powerlessness as step one, it is it it is a gift from God. So I hear people talking about, well, you have to just abstain. Uh, and this morning's talk about God and the Spirit, and I'm just wondering if there's anybody to talk about how the gift of abstinence is not self-will, but God-will. God-willed gifted to me. And that's my question. And if it doesn't relate, I'm fine. Uh, 
I'll get that answer later. Thank you, Steve. Either of the panelists like to address Steve's question? Yeah, this is Michelle. Hi, Steve. Good morning. I I think it definitely relates because, um, you know, when I when I surrendered, um, you know, I I was in a position of humility. You know, I was finally beaten down, and I I said, I do not know, I do not know, and um, yes, God wants to give me the gift of abstinence, um, but as I I was taught in a very blunt way, um, that you know, I was rejecting that gift. Um, I was, when I would pick up the food and go to the problem instead of the solution, which for me, sugar, flour, my binge foods, um, they're different for different people. I shouldn't name them. Um, when I would go to my binge foods, then I was rejecting God. God was there handing me the gift every day, and I was rejecting it, you know, with my self-will, with my arrogance. Um, and I, I was blinded to it. I was blinded to it, but yes, I I needed to surrender. I needed to just not pick up. I just needed to not pick up. I'm not saying that it was easy, but with God's grace and with reliance on him and his strength and his power. But first I had to surrender. I had to say I had no more tricks up my sleeve. I I said I had to have 100% reservation, and my sponsor has taught me I can have just one half percent, and I'll pick up on that one half percent of reservation. And so I had to concede to my innermost self that, yes, I am a compulsive overeater. This is a fatal disease, and I have a choice each day to go, and I have a choice today. Am I going to go to the problem, or am I going to go to the solution? And and the big book teaches me it's a spiritual solution. I need to rely on a power greater than myself. And that one-half percent could keep me from relying 100% on a higher power. So I think it is a very apt question and um, very much does relate to spirituality. And um, thank you and wish you well. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Michelle. Judy F., did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, thank you, Michelle. Uh, thank you, Steve, for the question um, because it is pertinent. I mean, that. I mean, God comes in right at step one um, because I'm either choosing... Food was, my binge foods were, I was treating them like they were my God. I was going to them for a higher power to get me through things, to to comfort me, to, you know, all of that. And um, so I either, like Michelle so well said, you know, I'm either choosing recovery, which is God, because God is the solution. God, this recovery is a spiritual solution. Or I'm choosing disease, which is picking up my binge food. Um, so, and God is all about having neutrality with my food and, and making Him or God as the one I trust and rely on. So He will support me and give me all the help. And I've seen that once I made that decision, He brought me people um, to help me with that. And if I, you know, reject that help, and, you know, I have, he gives us free will and he gives us brains to use. And if I don't align with going toward recovery, you know, he's not going to stop me and, um, and I'll, I'll choose the disease and, and choose the food. So, um, 
I, I just think, yes, abstinence is a gift, but it's also, it, it's, it's my way to get, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm blocked physically so that then um, I, I'm ready to do the work that's required to um, open myself up to God and to, you know, have a true reliance and relationship with God. And I'll pass. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Steve, for the question. I'm sure that question was on other people's minds as well. Thank you. Any other burning questions before we bid farewell this morning? Star 1 to unmute if you have another question related to Step 11. I I do have one question. This is Rose. Get it in, Rose. Go ahead. Okay, quickly. Um First, thank you so much. Janice isn't there, but I thank her and Michelle and Judy. Thank you uh, tremendously. And the question is this. Um, Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. Um, If you have experience with the discipline of um, controlling um, the talking, speaking, my sponsor has encouraged me to, um, now that the food is strong and abstinent and weighed and measured, to put the weighing and measuring over into every other aspect of my life. Wanting to, um, you both spoke so well about um, making connections throughout the entire day, um, keeping a conscious contact with God. My trouble um, is a huge, undisciplined speech. Have you found ways to um, stay awake to that during the days and to, um, as it says in the big book, pause and relax and um, be, and sometimes not speaking? Aunt Judy mentioned silent retreats, but if you have anything along that line to share, I'd be greatly uh, appreciative. Thank you. Thank you, Rose. This is Michelle. Hi, Rose. Good morning. Um, I relate to that because um, when I think about words and weighing and measuring, that's a beautiful way to put that. Um, I, I, you know, I struggle with that because um, I, you know, I was part of the debating society and I wanted to argue. And so I noticed that was happening to me yesterday. I had a client come in and I'm a controlling person and, um, you know, God has, has um, relieved me of my need to be right and my need to argue and to take a more neutral position there um, because, you know, God, God is guiding me. But I can feel uh, when someone is um, wanting to control a situation um, that, you know, um, reminds me of me, you know, that, that spiritual axiom, if it disturbs me, I've got it, I spot it, I got it. And so... If I start to engage, I will feel uncomfortable. So what I've noticed for me is that I continue, as I continue to, you know, improve my conscious contact with my higher power, you know, and I'm praying step three and I'm praying step seven every morning and, and throughout the day, and I will be done, um, I'll notice, I'll feel this discomfort because it's like, oh, that was an, that's an old behavior. Um, I'm wanting to argue. Um, and so... I feel that the presence of my higher power comes in to gently remind me or cause that discomfort to come up 
I don't feel comfortable with that behavior anymore. And so that brings me to pause and to ask God for his strength, that I just smile at myself. And um, But God's doing for me what I, you know, what I can't do for myself or couldn't do for myself. So that's what I've noticed. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Judy F., would you like to respond to that question as well? Um, I'm working on this, <laughs> um, especially with my husband. I And what we kind of worked out with each other that um, we would say pass after we talked because I found I would get defensive and, and not even let him finish his thought. And um, so what I find, and even at work, um, I I sort of go get my kind of self-will in there, and then I, too, do not feel comfortable. And then I have to, you know, just be honest and, and go back, or sometimes I'll be in mid-sentence and I'll say, hold, hold on, um, let, let me let you talk. Um, and so I, I'm really, this is the part that's hardest for me, um, you know, it's it's easy in the morning and at night when things are quiet. And um, but when I'm in relation with others, and um, and that's why I have so many things around in my office um, and at home to remind me that I I want to have God's thoughts and God's words um, and not mine because mine it's usually um, selfish or fear comes up. So I this is a work in progress for me, but. Um, and I'm I'm still learning. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Rose, for the question. And thank you to all our panelists this morning, Janice, Michelle, H and Judy F. We have been nourished. I think we're all well fed this morning from your shares on step eleven. And I will close the meeting now with the way that we always close our meetings here at A Vision for You, and that's from the reading on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.